Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Four Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just it's, they're just there's <laughs> good racing, and I enjoy it. Yeah. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to the show. Joining us to s- discuss the topics of the week are John Bannon from VRX Magazine. Good evening, John. And from speedcafe.com.au.com, either way you'll get there, it's Stefan Bartholomeus. Good evening, Stefan. G'day, Greg. How are you? I'm very well. It was a very long Sunday for all of us. But uh, what the papers are saying, coming into the weekend, it was quite interesting because uh, certainly Otley and McCowan and also Fogues were firmly fixed on what the future of V8 supercars might look like, uh, albeit without V8 engines potentially. Stefan, Phelps on the, uh, in the Telegraph uh, blew up the weekend very early by saying that Ford are definitely not back with any sort of support next year. And I know a couple of... Well, a couple of Ford teams. I know teams that have a Ford interest then spent the entire Friday trying to put that fire out. Yeah, well, um, a lot of uh, media were going straight to Dick Johnson for comment on that, which uh, amused him for a little while, but <laughs> it was pretty funny because they don't really give him any cash now. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that was obviously a big talking point throughout uh, throughout the whole weekend from when that was uh, published on on the Friday morning, and uh, a lot of people obviously took it as, as gospel because it was in a newspaper. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ford haven't... <laughs> stated their intentions yet and uh, they and, and FPR are both uh, saying that they're still in discussions about what next year will will be. FPR have confirmed that they're, uh, they're going to press the button on the FGX regardless of uh, whether they get money from Ford or not. They're obviously being helped in that program by Ford um, in terms of they've received all the design files and uh, they're using Ford Global CFD resources to design that aero package. So they're certainly um, certainly receptive to uh, making sure the FGX is on the track, but what the commercial package looks like for FPR is what they're still uh, still thrashing through. Um, mm. But hopefully for the sport, uh, it uh, turns out for them. My understanding is that Ford are committing to FPR next year, but it's... 2016 onwards that they haven't committed to. But certainly Phelps has got some good mail there that is saying that that is what I've been told is wrong. So uh, interesting, plenty more to come on that story. Uh, Stefan, one of your stories has been uh, very interesting because it talks about Wincup's lead foot at the end and he was defying team orders, wanting to uh, show that a driver is still the most important part of the racing team. Yeah, that was obviously the uh, the key follow-up from the race, the whole uh, whole Win Cup fuel drama. And to be honest, in, in the past, and you look back particularly, the one that epitomised it was the 2012 Bathurst 1000. He's been so incredibly good at following instructions from his race engineer. Um, you know, in 2012, he had to, had to save fuel, and we had the fuel trim then. 
um, and he had to save tyres and keep Reynolds behind him. And Mark Dutton, the engineer at that point, was basically driving the car from the pit lane, and Jamie was just giving him everything that he needed um, in the car. But uh, on this occasion, his uh, new Ford 2014 engineer, David Couchy, was uh, was urging him to save fuel, and uh, Jamie wasn't giving him what he needed. And it got so desperate that on the penultimate lap, Mark Dutton took over the radio, which was quite extraordinary, and um, told him that he just had to slow down, otherwise they weren't going to make it. And uh, he did slow down, but by that point, um, it was too late, and they uh, they ran out and crawled over the line fifth. So uh, that was uh, obviously Jamie was uh, Jamie was quite bullish afterwards and saying that um, well I had a go and I just wanted to try to win the race, but team owner Roland Dane wasn't so amused and blatantly said that uh, it was Jamie's fault they lost, which seemed pretty accurate. So it's sort of the first little uh, little bit of friction we've really seen within that uh, organisation that has uh, been so dominant for so long. Yeah, and of course, uh, Roland Dane then after it was, uh, I think that's, that story went first up on uh, uh, V8 Supercar's website and then ABC Radio got on board the story and, and really Roland was then defending those comments uh, considering he was chastising a five-time champion and multiple winner of Bathurst uh, along with it. He he was really defending it all the next Monday. Um, John, it's uh, interesting. A last to first day of mayhem, as folks put it in the Sydney Morning Herald. Yeah, I mean, it was it's just fascinating that the whole race, it, it was chaotic. Uh, even Fogues wrote in his story that he couldn't really keep up with everything that was going on. It was just unbelievable. And if you actually tried to follow up on, on every incident that occurred, uh, you, you wouldn't have really been able to, certainly if you were a one-man band. But uh, the win by Chaz and Paul, I don't think anyone would have predicted that. Uh Except Crusher Murray from Speed Cafe, who won a mozza on it. Seemingly so. So there, there was uh, there was one puncher uh, out there in Crusher, obviously, uh, knew something that the rest of us didn't. But it, it was an unbelievable race in that there were just so many incidents. The Morris car ended up in, in the wall at Griffin's Bend. And somehow, uh, Paul managed to put it in reverse, get it out of there, and, and the rest is history. They go on and win the, win the race when Jamie runs out of fuel on the last lap. Uh, one thing that struck me about it, though, and and it was fantastic seeing all the drama. It was great having all those cars come back into the race. But for me, that's the controversial point of all this. Uh, the cars being able to be worked on during the one-hour break when the track was being patched up and, and also cars that, you know, sort of being helped by marshals and pulled out of gravel traps and... And all this sort of thing. To, to me, I don't know if that defies what an endurance event is about. It should really be the last man standing as, as far as I'm concerned. Some people agree or, or disagree with that. But regardless, it made for an amazing spectacle. And I think we, the proof was in the pudding with the result. Mm, yeah, indeed. And, of course, going into this event, uh, there was some coverage there about, uh, of course, Neil Crompton's last Bathurst with seven. He was with seven before it went to ten. He went to ten, and uh, and it will be interesting to see if he goes to ten and Foxport next year. Yeah, I, I think that there'll be a place uh, for him. Uh, as he sort of alludes to in the article, whether it will be next year or not, 
remains to me to be seen. But you'd have to say that, and and he says this in, in the article himself. That there are all those. There is that minority of, of haters out there. I guess people that you know always feel the feel the need to to bag others. Who have, I guess it's almost a, a tall poppy syndrome. I mean, Neil's obviously got a, a a great job there, and I just think he's a fabulous commentator. I, I don't think there's anyone. Um, better in, in the sport he his analysis is perfect he's able to uh, explain the technical aspects for you know for for the rev heads out there who who thrive on all of that but he's also able to, to dumb it down for your average viewer and I, I think uh, 10 would be crazy not to offer him something mm. uh, and and I think I, I would be very very surprised if, if Neil Crompton ends up being on the sidelines because at, at the end of the day uh, he, he was he was a good a very good driver, but he's an even better commentator. So uh, I'd be very surprised if Ken Fox or you know uh, someone with, with his net realm didn't pick him up because he, uh, he he certainly deserves to be. Perhaps he'll be on Speed Cafe Radio next year, guys. We need to take a break. Our feature guest is Garth Tander, who is a man who had a very different perspective on the race this year, not being in the driver's seat. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, only things Ross is ever critical on are things that A, going to make the car go faster, or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team, and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au, or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well, Garth Tander, a surreal day for you today here at Bathurst, I guess, with having to watch it. What, can you describe what it's like to be sitting out on, on the grand final of your year? Uh, yeah, it sucked, to be honest. It um, um, didn't enjoy it, but um, there was, didn't really have much choice in the matter, obviously. So, uh, yeah, look, it was a tough, tough day. I was, I was enjoying it when the 22 car was, um, was going along nicely and they had really good speed and looked like they were going to be in the fight. And then... Um, and then, uh, then they had their drama, and then it all sort of dulled down for a bit. Then obviously got a bit excited in the end, so I was just a, I was a, just a spectator watching it, enjoying it. And then obviously Nick getting on the podium was um, was fantastic. So, um, yeah, look, I'd, I'd much rather have been out there racing, being part of it. Well, a few of the social media guys are saying, get this fella back in the car, he's going to do us out of a job. You didn't mind jumping on the social media and getting a few messages out there? Yeah, I thought, you know, I'd give the, um, some followers the point of view from and um a little bit of information that always seems to slip through the cracks so um wasn't that hard to do so um, um yeah uh, i got a lot of favorable responses so it was uh, that was a bit of fun obviously not something you want to repeat anytime soon uh no that's the first time in my career so um hopefully it's the last time in my career that 
turn up to a race meeting and don't actually do any of the racing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, um, it's not what anyone wants, but um, the important thing to come out of all that was that Luffy was okay, and um, that was the most important thing with all that deal. So um, forget about that now. We've got a lot of work to do before the Gold Coast, but um, it's a happy hunting ground for us in the past, and um, cars have got speed, so hopefully we can have some luck. Alan Moffat won this race when it was 500 miles mm. as a single driver. Every driver who's racing for a championship has got the chance of something going wrong mm. without him being at the, his own destiny. Mm-hmm. Could a race like this and Sandown go back to a one driver? Oh, no, never be one driver. Um, you couldn't do a 1,000 k's around here by yourself. Probably couldn't do 500 k's of Sandown by yourself, so no. no. Cars, um, cars are a lot different to when those back in those days and... Uh, the pace is a lot faster. Back in that, in those days, you had to look after the cars, you had to baby the cars, you had to nurse the cars to the end, so you weren't driving them to anywhere near their maximum capabilities um, for any period of time at all. So um, a lot of people compare back to that era, but it, it's, it's, it's dead set like comparing a, a Fiat 500 with a, uh, with a McLaren supercar. It's, it's not the same thing. Well, Garth, look forward to seeing you back on the Gold Coast. That's supposed to be the carnage race of the year. Yeah, well, I think it probably will be as well. <laughs> Cheers. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as best of the cars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back, and we unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with uh, Stefan Bartholomeus and John Bannon. Guys, uh, we've uh, sort of talked in and around the race, but Stefan, your thoughts on Chad Mostert and Paul Morris's first Bathurst win? Well, yeah, obviously it was a uh, a great result, really, for the sport and um, a chaotic race such as that really deserved a, a bit of a surprise winner the, probably the most amazing thing about the race was that even though um, it was so chaotic um, towards the end there when it was time to time to go it was two FPR cars and two triple eight cars that somehow um, were one two three four um, just like you might you might expect um, in any normal event so uh, yeah, so it looked like I mean Jamie was gonna Jamie was gonna do it there um, for a while, and uh, arguably, even though that would have been a fantastic story coming back from the dramas they had, including going a lap down and obviously spending that time in the garage and having earlier the tail shaft vibration that, that went on through the race, um, it felt like we really uh, deserved a bit of a surprise winner, and and there was uh, plenty of stories to be told in such an odd couple as Chaz Mostert and uh, Paul Morris. Chaz, of course. Only his second time up there in the in the big race, and uh, even though we know he's one of the absolute stars of his generation, he had a tough run up there last year in the uh, Green's Tough car, which he crashed pretty badly, and it was just a bit of a awkward weekend in that team at that point with where Chaz was at with his career. So, um, and then obviously Paul on the other side of it, um, been there 
so many times before and won the race in 97 and then lost it at about midnight when the stewards uh, came down with that ruling about the uh, maximum drive time for Craig Baird in that BMW. So um, I don't think anyone uh, really expected Paul Morris to, to end up with the Bathurst win after he uh, after he retired from full-time driving, but uh, it's a great result for those guys. Mm. And we do have to acknowledge the uh, story that Lewis Isaacs wrote in uh, last week's auto action in defence of Paul Morris because, John, uh, his, his case stood up. Well, certainly, and, and he was able to prove that with, with the result. Uh, and, you know, from all reports, uh, he was a really calming influence for, for Chaz over the weekend. I actually went to interview uh, Chaz in the break when the, when the track was breaking up just to get his thoughts. And at that particular time, he, he, he looked devastated. I think, I think he basically thought the race was over for them, even though they were still very much in it, getting the car back onto the track and, and everything. So you can see, you know, Paul's been a, around for uh, a very long time and uh, he, he's, got, he's got the experience. He has his critics and, um, you know, he's a sort of character that, that people either seem to, to love or hate. But what's great about Paul is that none of, none of it bothers him. He's, he's just himself. He gets on and, and does his job and, and he probably backs himself um, with his own belief that, that he can succeed. As he said, uh, he's wanted to win this race just as much as anybody. And, and you know, he had a lot of credit to, to Chaz in the in the post-race press conference. And I, I think um, I think probably over the years he's, he's sort of been un- unfairly, um, unfairly bad. And um, I, I think, yes, the K's got aggression to him on the racetrack sometimes you know he does make bold moves but would you want a driver who sits back and lets cars go past so uh yeah i, I think it's a it's a great result for pr it's a great result for paul morris and it's a great result for one of the rising stars of the sport in chas moston mm. now i have to say steph and i have had the opportunity to watch the four-hour version of the race which uh, fox put on sunday night and it was very interesting because uh, I know in the notes that I sent out to you too, I said the CL winter bottom collision was your story about the sun in his eyes, the dingo defence. Um, and I know you got a chuckle out of that, but uh, I've watched the I've watched the race and I've watched that part of the race again, and and you know I can understand more now that I've seen the replays and so on why it happened and. You know, I remember Ian Chappell used to always say, when a player dropped the ball because the sun was in the in their eyes, he goes, well, the sun's there every day. They just need to work out where they have to be to make sure they make the catch. And my first reaction was immediately to that sort of comment. But uh, having watched the replay, Winterbottom did contribute to that incident. Oh, 100%. Um, Winterbottom was on a awkward line because he was um, just coming off the battle there with, with Jamie who had nicked the lead from him um, so he certainly wasn't uh, wasn't on the standard racing line and as he, he sort of came back around with the exit of the corner his um, Craig just tagged him so Mark had no real momentum off that corner and it was just a little bit awkward and as Craig said the sun, um, no doubt that it contributed to it, it was uh, a lot lower in the sky than we're uh, used to due to the length of the race and the delay so um, it was it was a shame that uh, it actually took those two cars out of contention, obviously, because um, 
they'd uh, fought all day and got themselves in a good position. And it would have been even more thrilling um, with Jamie running out of fuel to have uh, all three of those blokes uh, on his tail. But um, I guess the other thing with that, with what John was saying, it's, it's ironic that, um, you know, Paul Morris does have such a reputation for being aggressive and turning people around, but he was the complete opposite, really, um, at Bathurst than he was at Sandown as well, that um, he was letting people go and uh, not, not fighting and just letting Chaz do all the all the hard work. He uh, certainly was a long way from being the, the quickest co-driver, but, um, yeah, let Chaz uh, do the aggressive stuff and uh, bring it home. Yeah, well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but as you can imagine, in an eight-hour race, there's plenty more to talk about after this. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, only things Ross is ever critical on are the things that A, going to make the car go faster or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. It's Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security, Dick Johnson Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. John Bannon and Stefan Bartholomeus joining me, Craig Revell. And uh, I mentioned before, an eight-hour race. John, is this why there should never, ever be a time-certain race in V8 Supercars again? It has to go the full distance because who knows what could happen. Yeah, I I like it going the the full distance. I think maybe I'm a bit old-fashioned like that, but, you know, if you've got 160 one lap to complete, uh, you, you finish the race. So I imagine it causes all sorts of difficulties for the, the broadcaster with news and other other show commitments and, and things like that. But uh, that's what an enduro is about. I think if they were, they were going into the night, they'd have, to, they'd have to turn their lights on. I think that's, I think that's what it is, is about, and I'm glad. I think there was a, a genuine danger for a, a period there around lunch that, the race wasn't going to uh, to restart, but obviously they they did a a very good job at um, nullifying that situation and and um, filling in the in the um, the cracks that are, that occurred in the in the track and and we went on racing and uh, I mean you only have to see the result the, the spectacle that, that for that eight hours I think I, th- I think I said editor um, at one point. Uh, an hour in, well, nothing's really happened in this race. And then I, th- I think after the hour mark, it didn't stop. You know, yeah. 10 safety cars. Uh, I think Moston and Morrison still, still stopped 13 times. Like, it was just... But who, who could keep up? It was it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. What about you, Stephen? Yeah, like, obviously, it was, um, it was great TV. It wasn't one of those races that, um, you know, they just did a flat orbit for, for six hours and then the, the finish was exciting it was um it was just action packed all the way through and um at the end of the day actually because i've tried pretty hard to get to prime time television and have uh, sort of not really succeeded in that um but they they wandered into the prime time slot there uh by accident and they got massive numbers maybe some people were just looking for the evening news and couldn't work out what was going on but um the TV audience was very impressive. Even the 
um, five metro average across the whole day, which is the real key figure, was the best since 2007, which was Channel 7's um, first one back. Um, so yeah, I mean, full credit for them for sticking it out to the um, to the flag. Obviously, I wasn't watching it on TV, but I I expect that they kept it on uh, seven rather than seven mates. Yep, they so, did. Um, yeah. And and that is that is one of the rare things I've been talking to industry insiders, and to move the Sunday news is one of those things that only happens once every ten pancake days. You know, it, they'll let shows run long like Master Chef, like uh, Big Brother. They'll let them run on because they're in the prime time. But they, if they were on before the news, they would stop at six o'clock. The cricket stops at six o'clock for Channel Nine News, no matter what is happening at the cricket. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, isn't it, Craig? Because you think for a, a station that, that was losing the rights, you know, to this great sport at the end of the year, that they'd go, oh, well, you know, we'll switch it over to, to, to seven, mate, now. But um, obviously, as Stefan's pointed out, it did wonders for the viewing numbers and um, and, and was great for the sport. So, uh you know, I think Channel 7 need to be congratulated on that. Mm. And the, the crowd itself was up too, the second largest crowd ever to go to the mountain, uh, only beaten by the 50th anniversary mountain bash and, of course, managed to pass the 2006 uh, Brock Memorial race, I think it's safe to call it these days, Stefan. Yeah, um, but our supercars had even been, you know, sort of staying in the lead-up just bit on the quiet that uh, oh our, our pre-sales for pretty much everything are all are all a bit up on year on year and we're not really sure why but that, that can't be a bad thing so it was good to see uh, another really big crowd out there and they certainly got their money's worth mm. well we need to take a break and a final thought after this join in the conversation post your thoughts on our facebook page and to ask a question email insiders at sportradio.com.au Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it it means a lot. Through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, We were able to beat the two levels through the boys and uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. I don't know where you went, but I'm glad you're still listening. Uh, Stefan Bartholomew, a final thought from you. Well, I guess the only thing you can really uh, be thinking about right now is that um, it was an amazing, amazing race, amazing spectacle. But uh, a lot of a lot of guys, unfortunately, are fixing a lot of very bent cars um, with not a lot of time to do it. The Gold Coast um, only one weekend apart from, from Bathurst, only one weekend in the middle, and it's an early park-up and all that sort of thing. So particularly for the, the Melbourne-based teams, and particularly Walk and Trot Racing, which saw two of its um, chassis heavily damaged, um, it's a lot of work to be done. And uh, that was really the story of the weekend. All, all week was uh, how, how sketchy the cars were on that new surface, which uh, certainly caught, caught every team out, really. Um, last year, the cars were pretty wild up there because it was the first year with the new technical package. But um, we certainly didn't expect it to be that uh, that unpredictable and hard to find a balance um, for everyone this year. So uh, a lot of crashes and a lot of people were uh, fixing cars. Yeah, indeed. And John Bannon, final thought? 
I don't think I can get over the result. In, in you know, Moston and Morris, their car ended up in the wall that Griffin's bent. The second place Nissan of um, Moffat and Taz Douglas went into the wall twice at, in Douglas's hands, and they finished second in the race. You had a top um, th- four cars that were all different um, manufacturers, uh, with Davison finishing in fourth and, and Perkat. Uh, and Oliver Gavin third in, in the Holden. So you had four manufacturers represented um, at, at the front of the field. Uh, you had a situation where just about every garage um, had a sorry tale to tell at, at the end. Someone um, from one side of the, the pit garage had their car damaged in, in some way through the action um, as a result of the carnage that, that occurred at various points during the race and just one final thing if you looked at that podium on Sunday night every one of those drivers except Oliver Gavin had uh, recently sort of in the last two or three years bar Paul Morris who's a regular had uh, come up through the development series it was like looking at a development series podium so it goes to show that uh, the, the Dunlop series is working and, uh, and and it is breeding the next generation of of drivers uh, who are going to take it to the established stars in the sport. Mm. My final thought is everyone talked about Craig Lowndes getting out of the car and helping Warren Luff. On Sunday, we saw two very different approaches. The enforcer drove off, leaving Lee Holsworth sitting upside down in his race car. If you watch the replay, you will see Michael Caruso, his former teammate from GRM, stopping his car to see if he could help before driving on. Uh, Mark difference between two That's all we have time for this week on the show. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au 